and welcome to this latest episode of Disrupt's podcast, which is the last of a very special three-parter looking at Africa's edtech sector. In partnership with our friends at eLearn Africa, we've been digging into African edtech, the problems e-learning startups on the continent are solving, the innovations that are being scaled, and how COVID-19 provided a welcome shot in the arm when it came to adoption. This week, in the final episode of the series, we're looking at the support ecosystem that exists around edtech ventures on the continent, and how more needs to be done to ensure the sector fulfills its potential. We hope you enjoy it. We've heard all about the potential edtech has on the continent, but what challenges do startups operating in the space face? Funding is the main issue. In the last edition of Disrupt Africa's annual funding report, which tracks investment into the continent's tech space in 2023, edtech placed sixth for the number of startups funded, but was well off pace in terms of total funding. 23 startups were backed, down on the previous year when 27 companies raised. Together, those 23 startups raised 34.6 million US dollars, just 1.4% of the overall African total. Though this marks a 40% rise on an even more sluggish 2022, it still compares extremely poorly to other key verticals. The total amount of funding does notoriously fluctuate each year, yet clearly African edtech startups are not getting enough. Here's Brooke Nagusi, CEO of eLearn Africa. I think everybody in the startup communities uh, throughout the continent will say the first thing is funding. Right. And then when you talk about education and ed tech online, often you're met as if, you know, this is just at least when we started, it was it was a crazy idea. Now I think there's a little bit more of interest. The landscape when it comes to funding, you know, it's and I would say it's probably concentrated in Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, a little bit of Egypt. The landscape's pretty tough. And I think these are part of the challenges where you need capital in order to make the mistakes. We like to say you need a little bit of burn rate until you get to the point of your business model actually working. And unfortunately, we don't have access to that throughout the continent. Why then are VCs less enamored with edtech as they are with other sectors? Perhaps it's because they see the space more as an impact opportunity rather than a profit one. Part of it comes down to there is a bit of risk perception, which to me is it makes no sense because you have a, a continent with thriving young minds that definitely could use good online education. There's definitely the risk perception. I think there's a little bit of the return on investment from venture capitals. They've not seen it demonstrated. So I think there comes a bit of adversity from an investment perspective. On top of everything else is, is that everybody will tell you that do people have access to internet in Africa, right? So this is often where I kind of smile and give my response generally and say, well, I, th- I think that's not the problem. It's not access to internet. What, what it's been just generally is, is informing the marketplace that this is a worthwhile venture where you could do good things while you do well. Um, and it's a win-win situation. But it should not be approached as if it's a missionary or um, a nonprofit. EdTech is, I think, the landscape of EdTech globally is interesting, but I think the continent of Africa is where the EdTech space is going to grow the most. And, and we're seeing definitely evidence of that. One challenge EdTech's face in securing venture backing is whether or not they have the ability to reach the necessary scale in a way that is sustainable. And that can often be difficult. And developing and delivering digital education with content infrastructure and all the services that we built out is quite expensive. And then you've got to monetize all of this and make it affordable for the users. And it's it's quite the complex balancing act. But there are niches in which it can be done. 
So I've seen a, a South African company that provides tutorial services and it works well because the way they've put it together is, is for an after school program. And in South Africa, there's a large group of high schools, if I'm not mistaken, that are all private. So th there is access to capital in order to pay for those services. But I, th I think it's a tricky thing to bear all those costs to scale, right? It's, it's quite the balancing act. The lack of serious success stories so far witnessed in the space is hindering both investment and companies that are looking to scale. Get Smarter, the South African edtech startup acquired for 1.3 million US dollars back in 2017, is probably the closest we've come, but little has been heard of it since, and there has been no comparable deal since then either. The challenge is more of, is this going to work in Africa? It worked in India very well, so there's no reason it's not going to work throughout the continent. You know, the continent can definitely benefit from a lot more competition. It's... Either in Africa shouldn't be one of, you know, four or five ed tech companies out there knocking on doors at universities to build out online degrees or provide learning management systems. But the more the merrier in this ecosystem. There are a lack of funders then, but also a shortage of dedicated accelerators and incubators. The Cape Town-based Ingenie Accelerator stands out here, but Brooke says more are needed in order to assist young founders in launching ed tech ventures. I have been uh, in the startup world for quite some time, so I can navigate and get somebody to return at least a call. But for the average person that's doing a startup, the challenges are, are stark. I don't think that they're available as well as they should be. Um, and I think one of the problems also is, is that we have this belief that foundations and donor foundations will provide the solution from that aspect. So I don't think the ecosystem is is fair to everybody. Donor foundations are active in the space, like the MasterCard Foundation and Gates Foundation, as well as the likes of the African Development Bank. Their presence is indicative of the crucial role EdTech has to play in African educational delivery. I believe that EdTech is probably one of the most important investments that we could be making throughout the continent. And it's not just because I'm in it. It is one way that we will be able to transform, unite, be able to actually create content that we need Right. So when I look at simple things in agriculture, we're involved in an agricultural program right now. These are important things to invest in. The return on investment is not just monetary. Right. It's it's a four X, five X from a human ca a capital perspective. What support has there been from the corporate world? I think we're still at the infancy. I know from an experience on a project, I remember Uber had wanted to create uh, content in Egypt for training drivers and protocol. Insurance companies seem to be quick to adapt to online learning and online learning certification or upskilling within within insurance companies. I hope I have a great hope that ministries will adapt to it next. And we're working with several ministries throughout the continent. And the idea is, is that if we can show ministers and employees and ministries what the potential of upskilling for online education is within that ecosystem that the trickle-down factor for the rest of the population will be implemented just based on their belief and practice. In general, then, more needs to be done to ensure African EdTech develops in a truly impactful, sustainable way. How long before the sector finally fulfills its potential? So the optimist in me gives you five years. And I, and I say this because I've got great colleagues, say, in Rwanda, that are doing wonderful things. The problem is, is that we're not communicating in that ecosystem as well as we should be as well. And it's not about having conferences, but more of collaborating, also knowing what one another is doing. Not that we're competing, but how do we collaborate? How do we you know, leverage what you've done in Rwanda so that we could do it in Uganda, right? 
we worked with a great institution in Uganda that's been innovating for the last 10 years. But there's so many little pockets here and there. But I think truly, once we all figure a way to mimic one another and make it across collaboration, I think we'll have great impact that is pan-African. But it's not, it won't be one company, it won't be two companies. I think it'll be a good 20, 30 companies that will start making the impact. And in order for that ecosystem to thrive, as you touch based on, which is uh, funding, is, is definitely something that will be an issue for startups, specifically in ad tech and the continent. You know, the hoops you have to jump through, um, I couldn't imagine. Owen Skay from Rhodes University, though, says the opportunities for ed tech are endless. What we find is that students can, can, go at their own pace if, if, that's, if that's required. Uh, it also enables them to, to have wider choices in terms of potential offerings that we, that we might make. Uh, it gives them the opportunity to collaborate in, in different ways. So we, I wouldn't like to say that you know, we can claim to be absolute experts in this regard because we're all on this learning curve together and I think that everybody's in that same boat. But there's no doubt that that the potential is enormous and I think into the future as we find that, uh, you know, you get into avatars and and more sophisticated digital uh, environments, um, immersive teaching rooms where you, you end up actually being able to cater to the individual student needs artificial intelligence, um, the fact that one can can use artificial intelligence in, in a constructive way. Brooke doesn't think there is a ceiling for what impact edtech startups can have in Africa. I don't believe there's a ceiling. I think it's uh, education is continuous. I think if we look at it from digital libraries to uh, virtual reality, to skill development, teacher training, you know, we could get into blockchain for uh, credential verification, right? AI, I think customized and adaptive learning systems that are integrated into smartphones or content being available everywhere from a continental perspective with the diversity, the language, the cultures, right? Um, I, I don't believe there's a ceiling. And I think we're, as, as a continent, are always hungry for knowledge. And that knowledge is now being transformed. I often speak with a professor in Zimbabwe that creates content that's applicable because students can take this course and make money. And I think that's where we're getting to. So I I don't believe there's a ceiling. I think the the ceiling will be limited by our lack of imagination. then and some early impacts, plenty of work to be done and money to be invested if enough edtech ventures are to reach true scale and really impact educational accessibility and outcomes on the continent. That's it then for this episode of Disrupt Podcast and indeed our three-parter on edtech in Africa. Many thanks to eLearn Africa for making it possible and to Brooke Nagusi and Owen Skay for their expertise. We'll see you soon. Bye.